You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. It is great you could join us this morning. I have to be honest, it's not great to not actually be together. I'm missing you. We were not designed for this. You know, uh, we've actually noticed a shift, I would say, even this week, particularly this week, that the reality of the current season is taking its toll on a number of you in a greater measure. I found it hard to watch that. The natural tendency, I would say, for us as followers of Jesus is to want to rescue people, to step in, to help, to, to comfort, to encourage, to speak in hope. And to do that in a time and a season like this um, is particularly difficult compared to what it was a, a month or so ago. And I'm not trying to in any way downplay or belittle the role that I think we all have to play in each other's lives in speaking hope and truth and life and uh, standing alongside each other, the power of us forming family and community together. That said, there is something particularly powerful in this time whereby in so many ways what before could have become a plaster the human comfort that we can find that isn't the same and doesn't work in the same way as the power of the holy spirit we can mask the real need whereas now we have an opportunity to really see it dealt with by the power of god and if we allow it this time could be a period where all we're left with is all we really had in the first place. We just didn't often realize it or acknowledge it. First and foremost, we need our stability and our daily bread to come from our relationship with Jesus. Romans 5 verse 3 says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they can help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And that's my prayer for us afresh today. Even this time now, together, but actually not being together, can feel strained. Of course it does, because we weren't built for this. We were built to be together, not be apart. And so I pray for you afresh today that you would know how dearly God loves you and that the Holy Spirit would fill your hearts with his love. If, if you need to, well actually I think we all do, if I'm honest, whether we acknowledge it or not. You might just want to almost take a symbolic breath in, let the Holy Spirit fill afresh your hearts with his love and the encouragement and deposit in you the affirmation and the hope and the strength and the comfort and, 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 and because that's what he does and that's who he is. We want to rely on him and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I want to pray that over you this morning before we even launch in. But today I want to continue the series I've been doing called The People We Are and the Movement We're Part Of. And today I want to look for us to just have a quick snapshot look briefly at worship. You know, if we had two legs as a church, the very things that hold us up, one would be worship and one would be compassion. We talk a lot about compassion. We're involved in loving and serving this city. We were, we are, and we 
we will be, but worship is also one of the legs that we stand on. Worship is a major part of who we are and all that we're about. And I guess today I really want to ask you one question. Are you up for the fight? We have to fight for worship. I'll explain a bit of what I mean by that in a minute. But I've mentioned before that in this time I've just loved being out on my bike more. I've got a bike seat now on the back of my bike so I can also take live along with us. Honestly, um, if ever I thought trying to keep Sophie safe on her bike was a challenge, that has only massively been multiplied now that I've got live on the back of my bike in a bike seat. Every Every move she makes has a direct and a significant consequence on the stability of the bike and she knows it and she loves it because she's pretty fearless. So she finds it funny to treat the whole thing kind of like a roller coaster and then try and watch me hold the bike or try and hold the bike upright as we're cycling along. Anyway, we went out one night. No, we didn't go out one night. We went out one early evening. They don't go out at night. But um, on, on the way back, we heard the sound. And um, you, you know the sound. Many of you will have heard it and you, you love it. It doesn't matter what age you are. You hear the sound of the ice cream van. And um, so I made the dash. I caught up with him and um, I asked him, you know, do you take cards? Because I didn't have any cash. I only had my bank card with me. And um, he didn't. And my initial thought was kind of like, mate, you need to get with the programme. What century are we living in? But the problem I had is that both Soph and Liv were fully, and I mean like fully, fully, fully locked on. They were picking what they wanted and the whole cash credit card thing was just totally a problem that was over their heads. And so this for them had become about the size of the ice cream, the flavours, how many sweets were going to come with each. Now thankfully the ice cream man, he saw my dilemma and the size of the hole that I now found myself and he said to me, there is no way of you leaving here without an ice cream, is there? I said, I've got to be honest. No. And um, thank goodness in his wisdom and his insight and his generosity, he let me just have them. And I became instantly like the hero dad. It was the best night of the lockdown for them. They got the wind in the hair, the sun's out, they've had free ice creams. I mean, come on, what, what could be better than that scenario? See, what's interesting and what I didn't foresee is the next night we would go out and our bikes and they would bring their pocket money and we would go retracing the exact same route that we went the night before trying to find the ice cream van man again once wasn't going to satisfy the need that they had they needed to do it again and I could hear as we're cycling off from the house I could hear Liv pleading as I'm cycling she's like please 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 Jesus please ice cream man, please. And I'm like, oh gosh, the stakes are high to find the ice cream van man. And you know, we didn't. I've literally gone from hero to zero. And I've now got two kids on my own, just before bed, about two miles from our house, with hopes and expectations that are not gonna be met. And I am pedaling hard to get through this moment, excuse the pun, but I'm pedaling hard. So the next night, what happens? Exactly the same thing. We go out again and I'm like, oh 
my goodness me, we're tra retracing our same steps. We're not seeing him, I'm not finding him, and I'm thinking, what on earth are we gonna do? They're now flatlining. It's almost like they've started to understand what it is for me to see Leicester lose on a Saturday at home. It's like, come on, we've gotta sort something out. So anyway, as we're starting to make our way back, we turn the corner and we see him. And then he starts driving off and they start shouting and screaming and pedaling like mad. And I'm now panicking because Sophie's going at a pace and speed I've never seen before. And I'm thinking this is incredibly dangerous and a bit reckless. Anyway, we catch up with the guy and I'm shouting at him and he hears me. And um, thankfully there's less cars because we're just plowing across junctions and all sorts. And he stops right in the, the middle of the road on a corner and it's all a bit nuts. But for the sake of integrity, you need to know that I paid him for the previous time where he just gave us one, where he was so kind. But they are back, and they are like back on top of the world. They're buzzing. In fact, they're more buzzing than they ever were, because not only did we see him, but now we've pursued him, we've chased him, and we've caught him. And they've got the thing that they went for. You know, the, the tunnel vision, single track mind, the the focus of getting those lollies, I don't think I could ever fully convey to you in a way that you would understand. The whole of the day, almost the whole of the week, had been centered around going out at night on our bikes at the right time. Almost the bike bit was irrelevant. It was like, we're gonna find this guy. I, you know, by the end of this season of life, I'm gonna be bankrupt from chasing after this guy and the, the sheer amount of money an ice cream costs from an ice cream van. But I've mulled this over a fair bit, this, this thing that keeps happening with them, as I've been thinking about worship, particularly in this time. Am I letting every other distraction of life fade? All of the other things that could take the place of worship, am I letting them fade? And am I focusing with a laser-guided focus on worship, on worshipping God. You know, as we talk about worship, I want us to have that picture in our mind. It's that pursuit, that hunger, that desperation, and that longing. And I'm just gonna reflect on a few points. The first one is kind of an obvious one. I think we'd say it many times, it's who we are. It rolls out of our DNA. Worship is for him. Worship isn't about us. We've got this reset moment that we find ourselves living in. It feels like one of the huge advantages, if I can say that, of this time. Romans 1.25 says this, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. You know, wherever we've been distracted or consumed by the created, this is a reset moment, everything is stripped back. God, I believe, is restoring worship and reclaiming worship. This time is throwing out everything that has that, that really isn't aligned with the heart of the Father. Much of the design and the anchor and the platform that has been humanly created in our lives and society has been removed. Many of the idols that would have previously stood have been challenged. You know, the fact that football was treated like a god 
the superstars and celebrities have been followed and idolized the temples of the shopping center and the, the the fashion industry's persuasive voices over us that are all now closed and the shutters are up the self-promotion that we see in society and sometimes can even find in worship has been leveled the exploiting of others to gain something for ourselves and sadly again sometimes even can flow into worship is been leveled ignoring the poor and seeking influence among the powerful has been leveled they traded the truth about god for a lie so they worshipped and served the things created instead of the creator who is worthy of eternal praise. If ever there was a moment for us to press reset and to fight for it to be what God always intended it to be, surely this is it. He desire, his desire for us is to pursue him, to chase after him, to long for him, to recenter our lives around him and to make worshipping and the fulfilment sorry to make worshipping him the fulfillment of all that we are and all that we do and this is our moment to realize that and to become more satisfied with him and less satisfied with everything else and actually realize that everything else doesn't stand up and in fact crumbles when it's put to the test and i guess here's my question are you willing to fight for that for it to be him and him alone for this time to have allowed us to gain to benefit, to profit from this time, because we realize it's all for him. There's still other competing voices. So much has changed. So much has been stripped back, but there are still so many other competing voices, but we don't want to trade the truth about God. This is our moment to seize worship anew and afresh in our lives. So the first thing is, is for him. The second thing is it feeds him. Worship feeds us. We're fed as we worship. Honestly, prepare yourselves for these points I've, I, that I'll share today. They're all gonna begin with F. I know that's gonna mean so little to so many of you, but I considered it worth losing sleep to ensure that it did. So it, it feeds us. Worship feeds us. It's not for us, it's for him, but the overflow feeds us. It feeds and it replenishes and it refreshes our spirit. If it's real, if it's genuine, if it's an overflow of our hearts and everything that we do, all that we are counts as an expression of our worship. It's not just a sung thing. It's something that is lived out in our lives. It's the, the way we are, the way we um, respond to God with the way that we live. Isaiah 29:13, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine, they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. You know, often we slip into the, into the, into the routine of a pattern when we worship, and we neglect to give God our love and our devotion. If we want to be called the people of God, we must be obedient and worship him honestly and sincerely. Yeah, these times as we come together or, you know, not quite together, but you, you know what I mean. They, they're, they're, they're so important. They're precious. Sundays are important as we worship because our worship is magnified and it's multiplied and so, so much more. But it is so much more than that. It's what we do in the everyday, every minute 
of our lives. Worship impacts how I relate to Steph. It impacts how I treat the children. It impacts how I relate to my neighbours. The attitude I have when I drive the car. How I drive the car. How I honour and serve my boss. How I interact with the utility company when I'm on the phone and I'm literally not enabling them to understand the thing that I'm trying to explain. How I act and respond in those moments, that's worship. It's all worship, it's all for him, it's all about him. But as we worship him, we're fed. Philippians 4 says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or with an empty one, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything is stripped away, but it's him and in him and him alone that we find strength. Worship feeds me. You know, I can't be sustained by just trying to feel positive, to have a resolve or to surround myself with things that give me a boost and, and satisfy me. Because ultimately, as much as some of those things can be nice and beneficial and all of that, they're not what we were created for. We were created for the creator and he and he alone feeds us. Worship is for him. Worship feeds us as we worship him. And thirdly, um, worship frees us. Worship frees us. There's nothing more liberating than realising that none of this is for us and all of it is for him. Our mindset shifts from us to him and that in the process of doing that frees us. People often ask me, what's God doing in the church? You know, I often think, look around in worship. It's so precious. Romans 2 talks about it being a change of heart that is produced by God. We, we have to fight to keep this front and centre and for us to prioritise it, for us to individually give ourselves to it. You know, trust me, I've, I've been there at the age of 19. What, like, what do you mean singing? You know, what? With a bunch of other people, it's like, no, 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 I don't want to, what, no chance, I don't want to do that. For, for me then, all it really meant was, did I like the song? Well, if not, it's like, jog on, I don't really want to, I don't want to be part of that. And if I did, then yeah, okay, but you know, make it, <laughs> make it a short one. You know, at times it felt good, at times, well, it kind of depended on me and my mood. It depended on their song choice. Who's the worship leader? What's the overall Sunday experience? You know, actually, I'm kind of here. I wanted to see my mates afterwards, and are they here? And if so, okay, we'll kind of endure this thing. Worship was more, it was just like a time filler for what was going on. The, the church I used to be in, when I was younger, they had um, these hearing aid loop things that was like a, it was like a long stick thing that some of the more senior members of the church would hold against their ears to help them hear some of it. And I, I found watching them far more interesting than, than the worship and watching the sound guy as he got some of the levels a little wrong and the, the, some of the senior people would just have like a, like a jump moment, you know. But worship it was just a thing. It didn't mean a lot to me. It was sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was like, yeah, okay, that's just what it is. Honestly, I've got to say, why didn't someone tell me it was never meant to be for us? 
It's not about us, it's about him. I might come away thinking, well, I didn't get anything out of that. But so what? Because it was never meant to be for me. It wasn't about me, it was always about him. It was about what pleases him. I would say now that worship has healed me like nothing else. Yeah, counselling, friends, small ministry teams, all of that. I don't want to belittle that or diminish that in any way, but it's been worship. We meet with the Father in such a special way, such a precious way. Worship is so precious to us in the vineyard because it's intimacy and it's intimacy with the Father. And I've, I want to say to you, are you willing to fight for that? Fight for worship to be front and centre. Whatever you're going through, physically, emotionally, spiritually, don't let it distract you from worship because worship will be the thing that frees you and heals you and restores you and ultimately therefore feeds you. Learn, learn a new thing in this time about worship because it will change you forever. You know, if you felt self-conscious in worship before when we were together, we, you don't need to now. You know, the word worship in the Bible refers to worship as a bodily expression. It's all of us. It's not just our, our voice. It's the whole of our bodies. It's who we are. It's how we live it out. It's an expressive thing. There is a moment of simplicity and vulnerability that we can learn now, I believe, that will forever shape all that's ahead. And we've got to fight for that because it will free us. You know, I want to say, yeah, do, do the marriage course. It's, it's all good stuff, things like that. It'll invest in you, but ultimately come and worship Jesus. You know, yeah, work through the pain of your past and your upbringing or whatever it might be, but ultimately come and worship Jesus. Yeah, work through the fear or the anxiety or the um, financial worries, whatever it might be. I'm not saying don't keep going with all of that, but ultimately come and worship Jesus. And as we do, he frees us. You know, many years ago, I was in a small group and the, the leader did this thing at the start of the group as a way of getting to know each other. And he said, um, are, you, are you more like your mum or are you more like your dad? And for a moment, it rattled me. You know, I thought, well, I'm, I'm nothing like my dad. I don't even know who he is really, but what I do know of him, I don't want to be anything like. And then the penny dropped. You, you wouldn't recognise me because my identity and my likeness doesn't come from human form. It comes from my father. It comes from your father. It comes from God. And I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize my dad. I'm just saying I'm nothing like him because he's not my model for living. And even if he was the perfect model, that's not the model. As we worship our likeness, our family identity is found and formed in the arms of Jesus. Who, who do I look like? Well, I'm starting to look more like my Abba Father, my Daddy Dad, my Heavenly Father. And the more we worship, the more that happens because worship changes us and worship frees us. I, I want to pray for you today that he'd, you'd let him speak that over to you, that he loves you and that you're becoming more like him, because that will free you. The challenge is often we don't think or we don't see or we don't perceive that we need freeing, but we do, because Jesus came to set us free and to help us stay free. That's what he does, that's the business that he's in, and we've got to continually spend time in his presence to help us with that. Because worship stops you dead in your tracks, 
really because, well, for so many reasons, but you no longer need to try and prove yourself to be something you're not, to inflate yourself, to try and find a security, to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to have a certain level of social standing or academic standing or, or a career standing, whatever it might be. It's not about being impressive, it's about being vulnerable. It's about bowing our knee before the Almighty God and saying, we are not, but you are. Worship is about Him. It feeds us, it frees us, and the final thing, worship is freely given. Everything I've just talked about, the whole of it really is up to you. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to worship God, but you will worship something because if it isn't him, it will be something that he's created, but he wants it to be him, but it's your choice. This is the perfect time I would say to do something about that because if ever there was a temptation to, to even worship worship, you know, to worship the vibe, to worship the experience, to worship the sound, to worship the, the collective thing that we can do sometimes when we're together, whatever it might be, I'd say it's just been leveled. And we've got a moment to fight for it to be the place and the thing that it always should have been. And that's the laser sharpened focus on Jesus, for it to be him and him alone and to bring him worship and to bring it freely, to choose to worship him. And that free offering of worship causes an overflow in us. Worship and compassion are so closely tied because one flows from the other and compassion finds its roots, its heart and its voice in worship. As we see more of Jesus, we can't not do something about the things that he's for and the things that he has a heart for. It stirs us and it causes us to take action. It's, it's no longer like, oh, that's like, it's demanding everything of me and it becomes actually here is my everything I freely bring this to you take it all I'm not my own my time my energy my career my choices none of it's mine all of it is yours for your glory and I want to give it to you the overflow of our worship is to use our lives in service to him worship is service it, it really is I just couldn't say that at the start because it didn't begin with F you know but worship is service worship is service is, is freely offering service to him and for him I I really believe on worship that the, the, the bugle is playing if I'm honest right now I think there's a there's a battle cry that's currently going on and the question is are you ready to fight for that for for what worship should be in your life to give a free offering of your life of worship to God we've got to fight for it we really have think think about if worship leads every move of God like it did in the old testament where do you think the enemy will attack what do you think he comes after it's our worship of him. It's our individual and collective worship of him. You know, I just as a side point, I, I want to say, guys, pray for our worship leaders. The enemy does not like us to worship. To worship. So those that help lead us into worship, it's, it can be hard in, in many ways. Let's pray for them. But for all of us, every act and every decision is our worship to him. Every thought and expression 
it, it forms our worship to him. Worship is an action. It's an act of generosity that impacts others. Some of you, I think, in this time are realizing you're worship leaders because we're all worship leaders. There should be a worship upon us that your community restores, you know, and that's worship to him. Last, this last week, I helped our neighbors with their garden. They hadn't got the time or the energy for it, but it is part of my worship. As I do it, I'm doing it as though I'm serving the Lord. You know, I know many in this time have lacked motivation, but our motivation flows from our worship. It's not about us, it's about Him. What we do and how we live pleases Him. And that overflow of that gives and fuels a motivation for the way we live and the way that we act. But the enemy fights for this stuff. Of course he does, because it threatens him. And because it's so precious to the Father. And I, I want to ask you, are you up for the fight? We've got to fight for this to be front and centre. The enemy fights for it because it's so precious. And actually, I would say as a church, this is so precious to us. Love Jesus, love Manchester, worship and compassion, the King and the Kingdom. They go. This goes hand in hand. It's worship and it's compassion. But I also believe prophetically something in worship has been spoken over us and is breaking over us, but we've got to fight for it. Are you ready for that fight? I feel like a coiled spring for this. I can't wait to worship again with you in person because it's magnified and it's multiplied and it is such a blessing, not only to the Father, but I believe to us because we're fed by it, but we don't need to wait to be in person is really what I'm trying to say. We can pour out worship now to Jesus, the simple intimacy with the Father and the practical act of washing the feet of those around us. Our, our individual worship life deepens, it grows greater as we have more of a hunger in us. You know, as we do that when we're back together, that will determine how intimate and deep the worship will be when we're together. As we act and respond now, it'll have a flow into what comes later. I never want to be so cold-hearted or so flat-footed that I fail to answer the call to fully engage my mind, my soul, my spirit, and my body into worshiping this time with everything I've got within me because it's for Him. But it feeds us and it frees us when it's freely given as a love offering to bless and to serve and to honour and to glorify and to magnify Him. Because ultimately it's for Him, it's not for us. Will you worship Him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength? Because that's the worship that the Father requires of us. for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.